Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio. Very excited about today's episode. We welcome back travel writer and author Linda Ballou, and she's going to talk about her novel, Wainani, A Voice from Old Hawaii. It is a story told through the eyes of Wainani, a amazing, I'm going to say a strong woman, a free spirit, a lady of the water. Uh, it really kind of takes us way back into Hawaii's history, but it's a fresh voice. And I love her voice and who she is. I've been reading this novel, and I'm very excited to have Linda join us to talk about the just the history of Hawaii, the natural wonder of the Hawaii, and also the people of Hawaii, and this wonderful book uh, that really goes back to the history back in the 1700s. So I encourage you to go to her website. It's lindabaloauthor.com. But welcome back, Linda. How are you? Thank you. I just got back from the islands, and uh, so I got my aloha fix. Ah, I'm good. Did you see? Okay, so listen, I'm right in the heart. You know, I never finish a story. I really try hard not to, and it's been hard with your book, uh, because Wainani, I'm like, this is, it's somewhat spiritual, it's mother nature, it's history, it's feminism, strongly there. Um, It's got everything I love in a novel, but... um, there's something about the islands going out there that I, the Aloha fix, I'm like, I knew you were out there while I'm reading this going, I'm a little jealous. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is special. this is a special, special story because I think it's, it's timely, even though it really does date back, right? Actually, yes. I was inspired by the life of Kahumanu, who was the favorite wife of Kamehameha the Great. Now, I changed the names in the book to Wainani mm-hmm. and Makaha for Western readers because there's a lot of K words in the Hawaiian language and it tends to confuse people. But she was a very strong, independent woman. She was very, the most powerful woman in old Hawaii. And I was living on the North Shore of Kauai in 1978. And I... Um, got a job on the garden now and was able to run around and interview people. And it was the year that Captain Cook was landing, the bicentennial of the landing of Captain James Cook in the islands. And mm. so I got, you know, involved with the history of the islands. And then I fell in love with the Hawaiian people and their culture. And there was this strange dichotomy, you know, here you have these people with a wonderful aloha spirit, right? You know, right. uh, no child goes unloved, you know, Ohana, the community, everyone that takes care of each other and so on. But then there was human sacrifice <laughs> in their right. background and the uh, Poly- 2,000-year-old Polynesian Kapu system uh, that prevailed there for since 1250 when the Tahitians brought it to the islands until 1819. Uh, where that ended with the burning of the gods. So my story, or Wainani's story, uh, is inspired by the life of Kahumanu, and 1750 to 1819 is the, mm. is the time frame. It's, uh, the, the story ends one year prior to missionary contact, and I, mm. I, that's very important because, you know, Michener did a fine job you know, talking about the impact of the missionaries on the Hawaiian culture. I don't go anywhere near there. This is all just what was happening in her world 
when Cook landed and Kamehameha's rise to power and how that evolved mm. and how she uh, was with him shoulder to shoulder, you know, through his progress. So anyway, it was a it became a beautiful obsession for me. Mm. Over a 20-year period, I went back and forth to the islands. Uh, I was lucky enough to live on the North Shore for a solid year, which was one of the most blissful year in my life. And it was at a time when Hanalei Bay was a backwater. And, you know, they filmed The Descendants there in Hanalei and King Kong and many other movies. And it's become like the hottest spot in the islands, you know, for, for wealthy people who can afford to be there. And so um, I was really fortunate to be there when it was really no one went there because it was rainy. They all wanted to stay on the sunny side of the island. And um, it was also a time of um, spiritual awakening for me personally. There was a lot of alternative lifestyles, people experimenting with things, you know, young people uh, experimenting with, I, for instance, I got introduced to a, yoga there and doing yoga on the beach and, and being connected with the elements, you know, deeply connected with the mm. elements. And that I think really shows in my story. I, I think when, yeah. when, as a reader, you know, for me, um, growing up in uh, the equator in, in Kenya and then later in South Africa, there's a connection for me. Um, and and I, and I want to take this for people who have never been to Hawaii, and I have not. And um, I have done, Nancy and I have done a gazillion interviews with artists going and as residents, as artists in residence with the National Parks Arts Foundation, staying in, uh, in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, or right outside there. And, and they, you know, document, they, you know, before and after the, the recent volcano mm -hmm. eruptions. And when reading your book, you know, doing these interviews, I've had to kind of learn a little bit like it's Hawaii and, you know, where to put the comma and all, all these things. <laughs> but in growing up in Africa, you know, I've had to learn all these different languages. And when you read stories, um, it, it's interesting with your book, you start to adopt your own way of saying things. And because I've, I don't know how to speak that way. Um, so it, it's interesting because you say, Makaha, I'm like Makaha, because I'm going African style. Like, that's just me. But mm. it's interesting, you know, because you bring in um, the village. I'm going to say we got more than one village in the book, right? You got two basic, two, two, you got more villages than that, but you mm. got the two different kingdoms almost, right? And they're, they're two fighting kingdoms, but you're telling the story from, you know, uh, you know, when you think about her, my nanny at such a young age and her thought of what was going on and already questioning things. And I thought that was interesting. But well, that was it. Yeah. Why nanny? The, why nanny asks the why questions. That was, you know, kind of my little secret thing about her name. Why nanny means beautiful water. But in my mind, why nanny asked the why questions. she questioned authority, mm -hmm. you know, why father do I, yeah. Uh, can't I uh, surf with the warriors? Why, Father, do we have separate eating? You know, why, why, why? And so she was, uh, you know, rebuked by her chief, uh, her father. Mm. And she, you know, w w resisted her culture and her society. And I was very much a rebel myself. So I identified with this woman. Hey, she's a childless bride. 
you know, most women are only important because they gave birth to somebody, you know, mm. or they married somebody in history. She was a childless bride who rose to be the most powerful woman in old Hawaii. And she sometimes called the loving mother of the people because she cared for her people and that's, and the and the children you know, and even her and the children her right. sister wife for her what do you what do you call your next door your the wife of your husband you know the other wife what do you call them <laughs> the sister in the wife-in-law you know and this is the other part you touch on that and you know here in this country right well right now you, it's that's you, polygamy now right you know Right. Well, she had to deal with the fact that he had to marry. He had to marry someone else because she couldn't conceive. So he had to marry the sacred bride uh, so that he could have an heir. You know that was in mm. the bloodline. They were uh, inbreeding like the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. They inbred, mm -hmm. and instead of having you know mute, strange mutations, they evolved into like an Amazonian. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, heights he was like seven feet tall she was over six feet tall it was very common for these people to be very very tall and very very athletic um now i do think that if they had something of deformity they would simply drown the baby they wouldn't right. keep it around you know i mean they were a rough culture and they had the capu system was terribly harsh um if you walked in the shadow of a of a chief you mm. could be clubbed to death for that um, and become a human sacrifice, you know, but I mean, that, but why Nani did have to walk in rough. the, she walked in the shadows of her husband, the warrior, Makaha, yes, when he needed to, and in, in the, you know, in, is, is it Pele? I, I, you know, I, I just put my own spin on how to say the different names, and I, I, that's what I love about your book, because that's what brings me home, is, you know, a lot of the historical fiction, and, and a lot of the books I read that, you know, they, when you bring in how people speak and communicate, then you're bringing sense of place like no other. Like you are in the village, you're around the people, and I really appreciate mm -hmm. that you did that. And I'm just, I have my own way of speaking the language now, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, you know, it's an oral, that's fine, that's fine. I did put a glossary in the back. Like mm -hmm. I said, there's too many K words in the Hawaiian language for Westerners, they get mm -hmm. very confused. So in the back of the book, there is a glossary uh, you know, of words, Hawaiian words that I use in there so mm. that, you know, people don't get confused. Uh, it's Pele. Pele. And, and the yeah, and in the Volcano National Park, you know, Wainani does take you there. If you, I don't know mm -hmm. if you've gotten to the part where she, they go up to the yep. volcano. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm And at. they, you know, they do put, uh, you know, an offering there. They're taking the umbilical cord of his <sighs> son, to the petroglyph field, which is there today, Ka'o, wow. the petroglyph field can be visited in my Wainani's Wayfinder uh, that I offer with my book. I, I take you to the sacred sites on the Big Island, which was the center of their culture. And they were warring constantly with uh, Maui. And Maui, Kahikili is the mm -hmm. name of the, the chief, who, the real name of the chief, I call him Pano. Pano means thunder. And Pano was tattooed from head to toe, including his eyelids. <laughs> he was a very dark and dangerous figure in Hawaiian history. And there is some rumor, and I don't want to give it too much. Well, yeah. maybe I won't give it away about Kamehameha's genealogy. I won't give that away. Anyway, it is a big part of the story. It's kind of a, 
Shakespearean twist. That's the other thing about this story. Are you struggling to conceive? You have options, and at Piedmont Reproductive Endocrinology Group, we'll make sure you have the guidance and support you need. Preg is known for individualized fertility care that's unique to every patient. We take the time to provide a reassuring and empowering experience because we believe that you deserve nothing less. Let us help you on your journey to parenthood. Visit us at pregonline.com to learn more. Get the guidance and support you need at Piedmont Reproductive Endocrinology Group. Are you feeling the sting of rising costs lately? Gas prices, grocery bills, everything seems to be on the rise. But what if you could have locked in gas when it was only $1.17? Imagine locking in your energy bill, saving yourself hundreds of dollars a year. Introducing the solution, solar power. Take charge of your electricity costs today. Visit renuenergysolutions.com and unlock the path to energy independence. Embrace the power of solar with Renew Energy Solutions. Story. In the very first chapter, I talk about our first chapters. I, I explain how there was a prophecy that a warrior would be born who would unite the Hawaiian Islands. And that a, a, a rooster tail, a fiery rooster tail would go across the sky and that would mark the birth of that warrior, right? Isn't that, doesn't, isn't that remind you yeah. a little bit, isn't it a little bit biblical? Isn't that yeah. kind of remind you of a story, you know? It's, it's, well, that's <laughs> There's what so the, many things. There's so many things I did found you go so nuts, fascinating. Yeah, writing this, I mean, that's, to me, it's like, it takes you into that folklore, but it, when you start getting into this, you start to find all the connections. Like, you start to realize right. the world, the entire planet is connected in some way. And we share all these different stories. And that, like, to me, reading this, took me home as a young woman, young girl, growing up in a different culture, amongst many different cultures, I should say, it was really interesting because you had to know who you were and you had to grow. I mean, I grew up in, in a culture where everyone was graduating, engaged and pregnant. And I said, I ain't doing any of that. Hell no, mm -hmm. it's not happening. And that's uh, something I, we're all connected on that, you know? Right, right, right. So back to her being a strong woman. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, trying to decide in my own life, at, you know, when I was living on the North Shore, what I was going to do with my life, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't wild to get married. I really didn't want to have children, you know, I wanted to be a writer, I wanted to, to, uh, you know, have self fulfillment, I wanted to, uh, you know, live up to my potential, you know, things like that. And I just wasn't typical of the girls that I went to school with and, and college and all they wanted to do was get married and have babies, you know. So this woman just stood out to me as someone that I admired and emulated and got very involved with her. She was also very sexually liberated, mm -hmm. which I admired. <laughs> You, you know. got some love scenes. I'm just saying, girl, reading this, I'm like, <laughs> Linda Baloo, you wrote that? I'm like, come on now. We've been talking about hiking and nature, but you went into the, I mean, you went to the deepest part of nature. There's some, there's some sex in this. Just saying. Yeah, well, they, they were they very sensual. Yeah. They were a very sensual society. Uh, you the make Ali, me sit up. The... I'm just going to tell you that. I'm, <laughs> I sat up and went, I did go, Linda. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just, but there's but nothing horribly graphic in no, there, Lisa. And I want people to know that I'm it's not graphic. There's, there's innuendos, but there's nothing really graphic. They had love games. 
the Royals had love games. Even the commoners had love games. So, you know, even if you had a a steady partner, so, so to speak, with children and so forth, you could go to an evening of love games and, um, you know, you sat in a circle and you'd throw your fob into the coconut shell across from you. <laughs> and if it landed three times right, you could go with that person and have a nice evening. Well, so, I mean, they just, they had a very liberal way of, of, of looking at life. Um, but still, I didn't believe that a woman could not be jealous of another woman mm. who had the child of the man I yeah. loved. You had a, such a good balance see. of that, that, that part of the book. And I don't, you see, I don't, I should never read books before people come on the show. But the reality is that that, that part of the book, to me, there is this, as a woman, you know, you know, I've been through that, you know, in love, and then the breakup happens as a strong woman. And the reason the breakup happens is because no, I'm not settling down, you know, the love of my life, this is not happening, because hey, mm-hmm. I ain't doing that. Um, and it, that's a very tough choice. And so when you take this in the book, and so personally, I'm reading this going, you know, there's not very many of us around. It's growing, but there's not very much mm-hmm. literature for women who, we're not bad, we're not mean because maybe we don't have no, children. No, we're women who, there are women make, who are self-actualized, Lisa, who yeah. don't revolve around other people's right. lives. And to me, that's a healthy way to be. But, you know, but to have that balance in your book of what you've, what you've created of women, there's that jealousy anger part and then it's like we're going to work together and that is what i would like to see more of in our society now where women need to we rise up and be stronger but work together and i thought you covered that beautifully because i was like oh here we go and then here yeah i don't want to ruin the story but it really was such a central story but let, let me yeah let me just say this in the hawaiian culture the women are like sisters there's a sisterhood in the a real sisterhood Mm -hmm. in the hawaiian culture and that was why uh it was true to the culture to have wainani help the sacred bride even though it broke her heart she did it because she's hawaiian i mean that was being true to the hawaiian culture Mm. so um anyway but also because she was a decent human being Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, I, I, I love that balance I, of what you did. I just, I loved how you balanced that out and, and how you wrote that, that whole part. And, <laughs> I better yeah. give you a good line, Lisa. Here's this. My mom read the book, right? And she wasn't exactly a liberated female. She had the, you know, typical marriage of revolving around my dad. Anyway, she read the book and she said, well, you got the sex parts right. <laughs> I said, "Thanks, mom. I did something right." <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I because mean, I, I did. But there, there's that liberation part of women being part of it, and also conjuring right. it up. You also had that she's right. she's a feminist. She's also a very strong woman, and also very very um, sexual. Like she's you know the dances yeah. and right. you know talking to the spirits and. And connecting with the spirits, I do want to uh, talk about the spirits and the dolphins. That was the dolphin is actually okay. the dolphins were actually right. the so forefront. The dolphin, yeah. yeah, the dolphin is a little a bit of magical realism in there. 
But it's not unreal because she was a water baby like all mm-hmm. Hawaiians are water babies. She was a beautiful surfer, and they called it wave sliding. And um, she, the royals were allowed to wave slide, not the commoners. They had a very mm-hmm. definite striated society. At any rate, um, it, it, I, I studied dolphin behavior. There is no dolphin behavior in that story that I didn't see somewhere, that I didn't read about somewhere. I saw in the first chapter, she wins a surfing mm-hmm. contest riding on the back of her dolphin, dolphins, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I saw a woman doing that in Florida. You know, she was riding her dolphins behind a, a you know, a boat and, and, you know, being pulled along standing on her dolphins. And I went, okay. And then in the, um, and dolphins live to be like 40 years, so it's not unrealistic to feel that she would have a relationship with a dolphin family for the entire, you know, span of her adult life. And then um, in the scene where she helps the sacred ride with the birth, have you gotten there? To yes. The birth of the baby. Yes. Yes, okay. I passed that. She calls her dolphin. She calls her dolphin tribe in to help, to help. With the birth, right? To to Sonic. They do that. That is a real thing. They do that. They, they, women, there are women who, and mm-hmm. I saw it on YouTube. When I wrote that, I didn't know that. I thought that was a, you know, maybe I was stretching it a little bit. But in reality, <laughs> they do have, women have had births in water with dolphins doing the sonic impulses to relax them. See, this I've is seen why. i it on YouTube. <laughs> well, it's, and, and beyond the YouTube. I think one of the things that's important about it too is to understand those connections. I think you're also bringing a very environmental message through this too, because when we look at what's going on with whales, whales are being in, you know, with mm. the, the sonar from mm-hmm. what's going on with the military. Uh, and yes. I think there's a connection there. There's a connection, you know, you know, just there is that connection. You can do it through sound. You can do it through feeling. You talk right. about the tingling. Right. That, that's something you always bring back about this tingling sensation. Between, right, it's the sonic w- impulses. Yeah. But, you know, dolphins have been, re- in the first chapter, she's rescued by her dolphin friend, mm-hmm. too, right? Uh, dolphins have been rescuing human beings since the Greeks. You know, there's recorded incidents of dolphins interacting with human beings. They're intelligent Mm. beings and i know there are groups in hawaii who go down to tonga every year and Mm. swim with the whales and the dolphins and have you know very strong spiritual connections with these mammals uh and um so i you know i don't get it too too woo woo i only put in there the actual physical things that i have read about human beings with dolphins but i would i want to ask you this you know number one i don't want to tell everybody to go try and swim with dolphins because there's also reports of if you're wearing sunblock they can actually hurt them there so so there's like an environment it's like don't ride elephants when you you know just there's certain things but i wanted to touch on base with you on this because you talk about the eye of the dolphin like you know when you look at a dolphin they do give you the eye and it's very Mm -hmm. connected and i wonder about this they're like the sea, I know they're seahorses, which I love, but don't you feel like they are the horse of the ocean in a way? And I know you're a horse person like I am, that there is a connection. There. <laughs> well, you know, uh, this was a, this whole story is, is a fulfillment of my imagination, right? Um, and um, I would love to swim with dolphins. I have 
fantasies about swimming with dolphins. You know, I, I, I sit here in California on Malibu and I watch the surfers and I watch the dolphins. Mm. And I so envy them. <laughs> Both. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just something that I know I can't do. Mm. But in my imagination, I think it would, would be a wonderful thing to do. And so it became uh, the communication with the dolphins is real. We know that. Mm. And uh, so and I've had people who are dolphin experts read the story and tell me that they felt that the, the interaction between the human beings and the dolphins was was realistic mm -hmm. in their minds. And so, you also hired so someone to come and read what you, you know, from Hawaii to read a Hawaiian scholar to read the manuscript to make sure that you've got the history correct and, and the like the right. actual that culture. I, correct. Right. That I, Right, that I was true to the culture. That was very, very important to me. And I've had reviews from Hawaiians and uh, Westerners and half Hawaiians, half Hawaiians and so on, uh, who who tell me, thank you, Linda, thank you for, for, for being so careful and so true to the culture. As a roofer, I don't have time to fail. Homeowners rely on me, so I rely on Beacon. Beacon's unique network of branches work together to get me what I need when I need it. Every branch working together. And with the Beacon Pro Plus app, I've got the brands I depend on, like Certainty Landmark Pro, right at my fingertips. And now through November, purchase Certainty with Beacon Pro Plus, web or app, and earn up to $750. Beacon, always building. As a roofer, I'm always on the go. So I need to be able to get things done from anywhere. That's why I partner with Beacon. With the Beacon Pro Plus app, I've got the brands I depend on, like Certainty Landmark Pro, right at my fingertips. It's like having my Beacon rep in my pocket 24-7. I rely on Beacon because I never stop building, and neither do they. Now through November, purchase Certainty through Beacon Pro Plus and earn up to $750. Beacon, always building. So, I mean, that was a very serious thing for me. I mean, after 20 years of going back and forth, mm -hmm. I realized I'd really taken on a big job of of trying to tell the Hawaiian story uh, because I, yeah. it's, an, it's an oral tradition. You know, there was no written language mm -hmm. until the missionaries came and taught the Hawaiians to read and write. And uh, so the the earliest chronicles are clouded by the prism of the missionary point of view right and so it's you know they handed their stories down through genealogical chants that went on for days um but the thing i got what i did was i used the myths the the meles the songs right mm -hmm. the poems mm -hmm. uh, which i found in you know several different places and uh, Martha Beckwith is an expert on mythology, Hawaiian mythology, and I leaned heavily on her. And there's a woman, Mary Pukui, who uh, talk, you know, talks about the values of the Hawaiian people. And, uh, and, and I really did my utmost to recreate that culture mm. just, just, in this, just in this way. And, and listen, one of the toughest things was not to use any modern words to snap people out of ancient Hawaii. There's no word plastic, for instance, is not ever. And I didn't use big adjectives because they they talked simply, you know, with warm aloha and short sentences and stuff. So I imitated them. It's um, hard to do. It's I've written radio plays using imitations of people. 
and only using mm-hmm. their words uh-huh. <laughs> out of quotation, like Mae West and Phyllis Diller and mm-hmm. things, you know, and had to write an actual p- plays out of it where it's nothing but structuring it together. And, and I'm reading, I understand the task that you put on, not just from my experience, but also reading, you know, uh, stories that I grew up with in Africa, where it'd be an oral tradition, especially with the Bushman and the Sun, that would come mm-hmm. down. And here comes these books, and to get it correct, because you can get it, you know, it, the world's going to come down on you. I remember Nancy when she published her first magazine in South Africa. She put it in Kosa, she put it in Afrikaans and in English. And no matter what she did, the world came down on her. She had professors and everybody sign off on it, but. Uh, you ain't gonna well, get you know what I mean it's very difficult to that's appease. right and here's the thing you're not going to please everybody you, you can't know, I, I it took no I it took me uh you know a while to be have the guts to publish this book uh because I know knew there would be detractors because mm-hmm. the Hawaiian people are very sensitive about the corruption of their culture and at mm-hmm. this point they're just downright angry mm-hmm. you know talking about break sovereignty and they're mad mm-hmm. about Mauna Kea you know Mauna mm-hmm. Kea is just a symbol of 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 the how angry they are uh because they're being forced off their own island. A lot of them, Hawaiian people, can't afford to live in, it's in sad. the islands because, yeah. It, so I'm sorry, but it's, there is, yeah. a, you know, there is an undercurrent there. There is a lot of anger, and so when a white person, a Hawaii, writes a Hawaii story, well, um, you know, what, you know, what nerve? Yeah, I was going to say, how dare you, Linda? Who are, who are you? Yeah. Who are you? You know, you, you know, how can you talk? But see, writers have this problem. Uh, I think it was Annie Rice. I'm trying to remember the name of the book that she wrote. It was took place in the Newfoundland. And anyway, the people, when she published her book, you know, the local people said, how can you, you know, you don't know us. You're not. A, she says, look, I know you better than you know yourself because right. I can look at you objectively. Mm-hmm. And in the Hawaiian case, they're not literary types for the most part. Hawaiians love to sing and dance and swim and play, and I love. That's why I love them. <laughs> you know, they're, they're a lot of fun, but they don't have a huge lit- literary, uh, you know, uh, contribution. So I did my best. Let me. No, I think way. I think I did my honest I think best. That you, you. What I think what's what's good about it on that on that note is that it's educating people who have never been to Hawaii and if they've gone well, they're going to get some they're going to have a connection that's what I was saying that's like right. I, yeah, I've never been there I've done all these interviews about Hawaii and interviewed all these artists you know and and at the same time never been there and you know Tanya Ortega from the National Parks Arts Foundation she's like Nancy get your butts over here you know, it, it, air flare is cheap. Come, especially after the volcano, it's erupting. Yeah, come out of here. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it it is for me. Reading this goes right back to my home roots of Africa. Like I said, that's it's understanding these cultures, and you're going to read this, and you're going to you're going to create your own lingo of how to say everything, and then you're going to start going, hey, I'm going to go on the internet and check out. This is all said and done. You're going to start being inquisitive about this and understand and you're sharing history i think when it's historical fiction like this it's important that you did what you did by bringing in the lingo and bringing in her voice and coming from her why nani 
because then people can have that sense of place and sense of person very important and that's what historical fiction does it i think really good historical fiction that keeps the basic facts in there yes it's fiction but at the same time allows you to learn history they're learning i mean there's programs like drunk history now just because we have a problem of teaching history people don't want to know mm -hmm. about history because it's about a mm -hmm. bunch of dates and and wars and mm -hmm. timelines and nobody's interested yeah. when it's pre presented that way we need right. when it's we a, need movies we need right, all these right right when it when yeah. it's a dry documentary people are not interested well, Wainani takes you to a place you can't get to any oh, it's other exotic. way because it, you yeah. know, because it doesn't exist anymore. And the thing about it, you know, people go to the islands and, you know, they don't really know the history. They, they, the Hawaiian people sort of uh, hide it a little bit because they give you bits mm -hmm. and pieces. You know, they give you, but they don't give you a full picture. And that's what I tried to do. That was yeah. what I, because you know, like you go to the Nepali. Uh, jump off place where there was a huge battle mm. where 800 people died and so on and so on and it's in the story but um, in Oahu that's in I was just in Oahu but wh when they tell when you go there the guides just tell you that little snippet you know exactly. they don't give you the 1750 to 1819 full picture and that's what I tried to do and yeah I don't think anyone else has done it I really don't I think people you know like Brennan, you know, he did, his stories are Molokai and the lepers and, um, you know, there are a lot of Hawaiian books, but I don't think, I think I have given the fullest picture in a way that Western readers can comprehend it. And that is what I try to uh, well, do. Well, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I mean, as to me, I'm just like, I, and I, I just, I want to sit slow with it. I, and that's something with your writing that you write where you put you, you, your travel books, you know, we've talked about your Lost Angel books, you know, on, on shows before. Mm -hmm. And there's something about your writing that makes you stop and think and feel uh, and get visuals. <laughs> and I think that's important, but thank it's you. important. You know, it's, um, we get bombarded with books and interviews and everything here. And it's like, I take my time when it's worthy. You know what I mean? It's like, take your mm -hmm. time and you, you command that. You, you're basically, as a, as a writer, so you're, you're going to get the feel. You're very metaphorical in your writing, um, which I think is, and you do it in a really good way, that it's not Thank overdone, you. but it's putting you, that you put that sense of place. And I'm like, damn, man, she's really thinking about this. When she, I, I go, like, I stop, I go, like, how, like, I'm thinking about you writing this, like, she's got to have been proud about that paragraph man because <laughs> that was good <laughs> you know what i mean as a writer you know how well, it is you know, right don't I, you get have, joy out of this it's hard uh, yes. you want to sweat bullets i was uh, i'm going to admit that wainani is my proudest achievement oh wainani is well done it is very uh, you know very of all well the done. all the things i've done and and writing and so on you know it's it, like i say it was a beautiful obsession it was a 20-year beautiful obsession wow. And pulling it all together, pulling in all that research, I interviewed all these healing, you know, Kumu's masters. Um, you know, I got Lomi Lomi massage from the finest masters in the islands. That was important. I, I would like that <laughs> but, now. You know, uh, of course, I loved. I mean, I loved doing it, but I gathered so much information, mm. you know, because so then then whittling it down and compressing it, and then having, like I say, the guts to publish it because I knew 
there would be some people, some detractors, you know, mm-hmm. and I, but it, it really hasn't been that bad. I've just had a few. Well, listen, Wainani who, was, Wainani stood up, right? And so must you, if you're going to do that, that I, this, yeah, this is that's right. You've got to stand correct. up. You cannot sit, you cannot wait for people <laughs> to say right. whether or not you should do something. If you have a burning in your chest or, you know, wherever to do something, you got to stand up and do it. Otherwise you're going right. to die not doing it. That's correct. I would have been psychologically blocked for the rest of my life if I hadn't published that book. Ah, and so I think that's it's free. just the way it had to be. You know, it had to be. I just had to deal with it. Uh, you know, I have a talk that I give called Accepting Your Greatness, where I talk about how she embodies female empowerment and mm. the steps that she went through and how I've tried to follow that path, you know, to lift the dragon's tail from your path at the end of the day is what you must do. And mm-hmm. you, you know, you just simply have to believe in yourself. Yeah. And she um, was able to compromise because she believed in her strength and spirit. She was able to compromise. I'm not going to tell you the end. Don't you dare. You the end, but you, don't you dare. I'm not. Don't. I don't want my readers, I don't want your readers <laughs> to know the end. I want them to read the book. Also, yeah. uh, you know, I just wanted to say that if people buy my book, Wainani, A Voice from Old Hawaii, on my site, lindabaloo.author.com, I'm happy to provide Wainani's Wayfinder, which is that map to all cool the map. sacred sites on the big island, which, you know, when you go to Hawaii, uh, it's just, it just enhances your time being there if you know what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. If you know why these places are important, and they're all over the Big Island, it's like a mini travel uh, guide that's going to give you the the. I think the two and one. If you're going to go there, you need to take the book. You'd read it beforehand. Right. Read or it on you... the plane. Oh, perfect! You got five hours on the plane. Read it on the plane. Yeah, and, and uh, take the wayfinder. And also, if you like audio books, I'm happy to give a free audio book uh, awesome. on Audible. I have coupons for for audiobooks if you you know if that's what you enjoy so everyone lindabaloauauthor.com is the website to go to for that obviously you can get on Amazon and all those places but you know what you right. know, I just always go go to the author go to the bookstore I you know just gotta say that I always love bookstores and gift shops that you know sell books um, we got to look at the times that we're in and uh, recognize the the small business and the individual creative artisan um linda one last thing before you go there's a part in the book uh, a lot of parts in the book that talk about lava tubes so having interviewed all these artists that have gone down into the caldera been above the caldera depending on when when and what was going on with the volcano so these lava tubes this is a big part of the book where you know people are going in and out of the lava tubes have well, you, the volcano. I want to well, know about Pele the lava had, tubes. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. All right. Pele had her own uh, following, and of of you know, island people. What happened when the Tahitians came in 1250 was they brought the the Kapu system, like I told you, and it was very harsh. So some of the people ran into the mountains and hid, and they lived in the lava tubes like Thurston Lava Tube, which is a huge lava tube on the flank of Kilauea. And some people think that was the origin of the Minnehunis because they would only come out at night. Minnehunis are little people who come out at night and, you know, build things and do things and 
you know, that was where they hid, was in the lava tubes and in the mountains. And then on the big island, they were Pele's people and they became a different culture, a hidden culture, a, a, a like the secret Bedouins. culture. Almost like the, the Bedouins. Yeah. Okay, so a secret culture is what they were, and if you got caught by them, it was it was not going to be a good day. Um, people feared yeah. them because Pele is an angry goddess. You know that she's the fire goddess. She's a jealous goddess. Uh, she, you know, you you don't mess with Pele, and her people, uh, you know, were, you know, fairly warlike, and so uh, they lived in the lava tubes in the mountains in hidden places hmm. so wow there you Amazing. go so lava tubes are like little caves but they could go up in all these different big places. caves big caves they're That's, quite yeah. big caves. there's there's some lava tubes you almost can drive a car through it it's pretty big see that's what but i was asking. small one yeah i've never been in a lava tube in my life that i can remember so that's that's I'm going to send you a picture of a lava tube. <laughs> I want to see a lava tube. I'm like a lava tube. Like you think about this. It's like, okay, I feel like it's a, a cavity in a tooth. You know, <laughs> it's like, this is crazy. So I'm going to send you a picture of Thurston's lava tube. It's huge. Oh, awesome. And Please do. I was, you know, yeah, when I was in, uh, in like 2014, I hiked what's it called the Iki, Kilauea Iki Trail, where you go down into the floor of the, the crater and the femorals were rising, you know, the steam was rising from these femorals. And if you went off of the path that was marked with rock stacks, Karen's, mm. um, you, you could melt the top, bottom of your tennies, you know. I mean, it was still wow. kind of, you know, uh, dangerous down there. Uh, but at the time, they let you do it. Now they don't let you do it anymore. But anyhow, I, I walked all the way across and then up the other side to the Thurston Lava Tube, which is a huge lava tube, uh, and hid in the ferns. <laughs> I was imagining myself to be a, uh, one of Paley's followers. You oh, know? this is cool. So you're you're reenacting <laughs> while you're, as you're doing this whole thing. <laughs> Okay, so wait. I, I, okay, wait. We're gonna go. We're, I gotta digress here. You said this is a twenty-year obsession. So, like, when yeah. was when did you start reenacting Wainani <laughs> in the first? Oh, it became like I say. It became just an obsession for me. I had to go but to did, all these places. But did you know you were gonna had write to go the, to the book? The, did you know you were gonna write the book? I ago? I was toying with it. Yes, uh, yes, I was. Yes. Uh, when I went to Kauai, I dropped out for a year and lived in Kauai, decided whether or not I had the goods to be a writer or not, you know, and if that was going to be the direction in my life. Wow. It's so amazing. That's when I connected with this story. And yes, it was kind of like on the back burner for many years. And then I just finally bit the bullet and did it. But, uh, you know, started the writing and, and actually did it. But um, for 10 or 15 years, I was just exploring you know, like I had to go to the place of refuge, which if you go to the Big Island, you must go to the place of refuge. It's one of them. It, it, it's totally authentic. And it they had kind of an ollie ollie oxen free kind of a justice system. Like if you broke a capu and, you, you know, we're going to be used as a human sacrifice for your mistake, you could run to the place of refuge. <laughs> if you could make it inside the walls of the refuge and the priest would take you in, you could be spared. Wow, and then and then if you followed certain protocols you could be let back into society so it wasn't exactly jail it was like a free space 
And I found that very fascinating. And I had to hang out there for a very long time because the, the bones of, of at least a dozen chiefs are in the, in the walls there. Oh, so, wow. So, yeah, I had to go to these places. I, you're, you're, I have to go to Hawaii now. I mean, I know we have to anyway because of our Love Your Park store, but um, I'm, I'm like in. I'm in like Flynn. I want to get in the lava tube. <laughs> so, everyone, again, Wainani, a voice from old Hawaii, uh, Hawaii by Linda Ballou. Get it on Amazon. But, again, really go to her website. And uh, if you get the book from there, uh, you get her Wainani's Wayfinder map, a uh, nice, beautiful brochure. I have it. It was the first thing I got in my hands with the book. And I'm like, dude, I'm into, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for maps. So, and, and especially <laughs> ones that are, like, curated. And uh, also, you know, you get it from an artisan directly from the source. So go to lindabaloauthor.com. And uh, also, we've got an article from her talking about writing the book. And you can see that at glenradioandtv.com. And, of course, I always have to play music. So he Ilawi, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm reading the book, and he Ilawi pops up. And, you know, why Nani is over there? And I'm like, why Nani? You're in he Ilawi. And the first way <laughs> thing I learned about he Ilawe was through Makana being on our shows. Makana, amazing slacky guitarist uh, from Hawaii. Right. And uh, so I thought, right. well, we've got to play this. I sat up and I'm like, we're reading this. I mean, we're playing this song. Like when I'm reading the book, I'm like, we're playing the song. And then, you know, then, a, then there's another love scene. So anyway, <laughs> I was like, well, I might have to change the music. No, I'm kidding. But, um, oh, thank you so much, Lisa. It's always lovely to talk with you. You too. And everyone, again, don't forget Big Blend Radio. We stream episodes on Monday, Wednesdays, Friday, Sunday. Go to bigblendradio.com. Uh, the podcasts are available just about in any place you want. The list is on there. And here it is. He Ilawi, uh, again, by Makana. You can keep up with him at makanamusic.com. And this is from his album, Ripe. Thank you so much, Linda. Happy travels. I know Australia is next, so enjoy. Thank you, Lisa. Bye-bye. He love
Eva Eva na kamakua ileia ina kikupuna. Eva Eva na kamakua ileia ina kikupuna. Yeah. 